Welcome back, everybody, to the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto. I'm your host, Eric Anthony, and for this episode, I'm very, very happy to have returning back to the cage, good friend of the show, my pal, Mr. Shane, the Sheriff Heron. Uh, It was really, really nice to meet up with him this past week in the city of Toronto, where for the first time in about a year, we were able to go to a restaurant indoors hang out sam noir was there as well and then we headed back to raid studios and hung out for the evening and were able to podcast so having said that it's a important editor's note for the first 22 minutes of the podcast uh at, at minute 22 and a half i would say there's like a hiss in the right speaker or wherever you're listening your headphones your airpods your car your home however you choose to listen to it so just keep that in mind you might want to um do a fade out on the right side for the first 22 minutes, but then it comes back in. All systems are gold. Voices are crystal clear. Conversation is great. So don't give up on the pod and say, oh, this is just too irritating to listen to. It will get better. And I apologize for that noise. I, I didn't realize it was happening at the time. So it just was one of those recording uh, full pods, if you will. But stick with us. Great conversation with Shane. We talk about all kinds of stuff, whether it's music related, comic book related, you name it, we talk about it. So stick with us. It was a great time. Thank you to Shane. Thank you to Sam for, for hanging out that evening um, and for everybody listening. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the chat. Stay tuned. More Cave of Solitude headed your way. Thank you, everybody. We're recording. And we're back. We are at the hallowed halls of uh, Raid Studios in our lovely city of Toronto. And for the first time in a year and a half... We are podcasting in person with former co-host of the show because we haven't been able to do this the way we normally did, Mr. Shane Heron. Hi. <laughs> How's it going, buddy? It's good to see you in person. Yeah, it's really good. It's like we're back in normal life. Yeah. It's, it's been a long time coming. and um, we ate indoors today in a restaurant inside. Okay, you work you work at a restaurant and you are a chef. But what's it like for you to does it even phase you to go as a patron? Like is it new to you as well or are you just like, "Ah, this is my job." No, nah, I don't care. I just all the whole COVID thing. I was like, "Yeah, I'll try to be careful and stuff, but like I don't really care. Like I was never really concerned too much about myself or anything like that." So, but it is it is there is a weird thing cuz I think like indoor dining opened last Friday. And I remember, like, walking by a bar and seeing a bunch of people inside and just, like, my instinct's like, that's, that's not allowed. I know, right? And they're like, oh, wait, that's, that's allowed. Like, that's, yeah. uh, that's fine. Like, things, you're going to have to make that adjustment where you're like, oh, yeah, we can. Eventually, we'll be able to, I don't know, take the TDC without a mask. And that'll be, like, at first, you're going to be like, that's weird. But, I mean, it's fine. I think, I think we'll get back to this is normal pretty quick. I think our muscle memory, like... In that regard. Like, people in general, like, today's age, we all have very small attention spans and memories, so it's like, yeah, very quickly we will forget how things were during COVID. Yeah. What's, um, is there something that you look forward to more of, of being able to do again, or something that we didn't take advantage of before? I know we kind of talk about this all the time, but what's, like, something on your list of, I, I am looking forward to you know, going to the movies again, something like that. Yeah, movies. I as of all of the things actually, and I'm you know me like I don't even go to the movies that often. I would yeah. go like twice a year or something like that. But I'm like, yeah. I want to go watch a movie in a fucking theater. I want to go see a comedy show. I want to go see a band at the Horseshoe Tavern. I want to go 
uh, do a comic con, you know, like it's, yeah. a, I want to, all the things that's like, you hate, like uh, you go to things, you're like, oh, it's a group of people and yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, this is the worst. I'm like, I want that. I want taste of the Danforth where it's like so busy on the street. Like, I just want to feel like the world's normal again, I guess. Yeah. You want to see, I, I know what you mean. Like you want to, it, it's something that hit me in Daff when we went to, uh, Niagara Falls for dinner just before the winter lockdown occurred. Like we just snuck one in. Right. And, it was right around Christmas time or holiday season, and it was a ghost town. And it's so eerie for a place like Niagara Falls, which is, you know, mm-hmm. a place that people around the world want to see it. Yeah. And to see um, within the hotel, like, doors chained off because you, you, you're not allowed to walk there. Yeah. And then when you sat in the room where people were eating and having dinner, it, it hit us like, wow, this is nice to just see people live. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. I know I, I did the same thing when me and my brothers went to Niagara Falls around, like, Canada last year, and it's like, it was like, it wasn't empty, but it was like, you could easily get a nice spot on the side of the falls where it's like, before it was just crammed, it was so hard to get, like, a little photo of you next to the falls, so, yeah. Yeah, I just want to do normal stuff, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a person who, admittedly, I don't appreciate how cool the city I live in is, because you just, you go to work. And you just want to come home and watch Netflix and chill. You know, like you just have your everyday life. But when you can't go anywhere else, you realize, why not enjoy what I got? Because we've got stuff here. We got, like you said, all of those cool uh, concert halls and comedy spots within our own hometown. I'm looking forward to going to a comedy show. Well, also, you don't live in the city. You live in the (laughs) area. You're so far away and you won't admit it. I I literally live 20 minutes away from Shane, and according to him, I might as well be on the moon. You are so far away. You're literally in another area code. Uh, so, what? Where is it still close enough for you? What's the limit? What's your city limit? Where he's like, wow, that's just too far. To be honest, like uh, where I moved from, I was up at Young in St. Clair, and like even that, people would be like, oh my god, so far, and you're like, it's not that far north of Bluer. But I feel like it's, like, so now I'm in the annex, which is, like, DuPont area. And it's, like, I'm, like, uh, I guess St. Clair is, like, for me, I'm, like, that's, that you're almost downtown. Whereas, like, if you're at, like, Eglinton or Lawrence or North, it's, like, you're, like, way uptown, man. It's, like, it's, it's a different fucking thing. I'm trying to think for people that are listening and don't know our city. Probably most people have gone to, like, New York. So it would be, like, we're in Manhattan. And... I'm just maybe at the close to the Brooklyn Bridge, and you live, you know, Twenty uh, Fourth Street. You're in the Hamptons, bro. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're Long Island. <laughs> I'm, I I gotta take a you know a whole weekend to yeah. get there. Yeah. And where does Martin live? Cause I it, Martin lives even further than me. He's in uh, Hartford, Connecticut. <laughs> still, still tri-state. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's in the Hartford, Connecticut of of. Uh, Toronto. So he's, he lives uh, next door to Angela Bauer, yeah, right. basically. Yeah. And and who would have been in, uh, what would have been a, a show where I would have been the distance from you? I'm trying to, so I'm basically where George Costanza's parents are oh, yeah. in That's, Queens, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm over there. Queens, yeah. <laughs> or I'm at the Hamptons. You have to see the baby. Yeah. <laughs> but the Hamptons like super rich. The Hamptons yeah. is like our bridal path or something like that. Yeah, so. I don't live there. No, but the distance. <laughs> you're far away is the point. <laughs> You're Staten Island. <laughs> so, do you want to go to Comic Cons as a 
person with your books or do you want to go back as a fan because i know you haven't been able to do that for a while so what are you looking forward to this time around i don't know i mean i i just i think i want to it, it's also the, the same thing where i get con fatigue and i'm like oh i'm so sick of cons and now i'm just like i just so badly want to be at a comic con just to because it's it's such a big part of all of our lives doing that and i think like i just want to be part of it and i don't know what that landscape's going to look like especially at first in toronto like we're supposed to do one of the fan expo in October, and uh, I mean, it's gonna apparently everything's gonna be spread out. It'll be a lot less people out in, um, but I, I mean, I don't, really don't know what's gonna look like. You're like wondering. I mean, I do want a table at a show. We've been this whole time making books. We have I have like a bunch of books that I want to sell that we haven't. We've done it through Kickstarter and online sales and stuff. And I'm like, I want to go table at a show and sell some of these books. Um, so I think that would be cool. But I mean, yeah, I don't really know what it's gonna look like for a while. How comfortable people are, right? Some people are a lot of different comfortabilities with uh, things. Like when you see people, you're like, "Do we hug now?" Even though like we're both double backs and stuff, it's like, "Do we hug? Do we? Do you want to shake hands? Do you want to do that fist bump? Do you want to just bow already?" Like I don't know. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think it's going to be different too, just of how um, business will be? As because you you make interesting points of just the interaction. And when you were at those shows, it was. Everyone talks about con crud and, you know, the day after kind of feeling yucky a little bit because you've been breathing in each other's air, close contact, lineups, all of that stuff, touching books that another person touched, yada, yada, yada. Do you think now people are going to be different with how they handle cash, like the business aspect of it? Yeah, I mean, I think that we were definitely going that way anyways, where it's like cons used to be a cash thing and now everyone's got like square readers and debit machines and stuff like that, but... I don't know. I, I think there's still a place for cash. I think it'll be less than of that. But, I mean, keep in mind, too, like, where we do in the south building of the Metro Toronto Comic Con uh, Convention Center, like, a lot of times people can't get signal and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and I, I guess they have Wi-Fi or whatever. But, like, often, like, you can't use your square reader yeah, or debit yeah. machine. So sometimes cash might be the only way to go, right? So I don't know. I mean, I think it'll change, but I think it was changed anyways. It's just kind of pushing it a little bit further away. Like, I don't know. I think those big gatherings, though, are, are kind of essential for us to feel normal again. To be in a place where it's like, you know, you take cash? Pay, like, what do you take if I give you Like, to get into sort of those grooves again, I think that's what we we need to have happen to get people more like, ah, like, we can do this again. It's okay. Well, I think also, like, I know, like, you know, there's people, friends I know that are, like, really were super hesitant and go out at all during COVID. And then there's, like, I mean, I went to work every day, basically, and I, like, you know, you're careful again, but you, you know, I wasn't freaked out as much by COVID. As, so it's, like, when you have these big events, and you're, like, I think it'll sort itself out, where it's, like, the people that aren't comfortable and a little bit worried still or, or just maybe are in that mindset where they're, like, I'm not used to the idea of a big crowd, they'll pro- it'll be, it'll sort itself out. They'll stay home, and the people that are more comfortable will go, and it'll be less people, and who knows if it'll be worth it financially for everyone but i'm sure it'll be fine i think people are itching to to be dealers as well as uh consumers of the cons again because it is such a uh, like for me i i I used to go every year to two or three shows at least and it's such a part of the hobby and the culture of everything and you kind of it's those little year markers right like when we were in school used to have March break and used to have your summer and these were kind of our things to kind of okay it's springtime we're going to go to that con and then 
before summer it's TCAF or whatever it is and now you had none of that so I think people are even people who weren't really who had never been before like I gotta go to I want to go to this thing now they want to check it out so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting without the 100,000 people but I might I don't know I might like it better with it spread and, and you know Everyone's there, but it's not going to be such a cluster. Yeah. I mean, it's also, like, it's just going to be good to see. Like, I mean, the last time I saw you was, like, a year ago, like, in person. So it's like, and I've been, you know, starting to see friends again. So again, and you're like, it's just good to see people. So it's going to be, like, all these artists, creators, comic dealers, guys that you used to see twice a year at least. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, you're going to be able to see them again, right? And, like, I don't know, it's going to be, it'll be fun. It'll be good. Um, what do you, what have you been up to lately? Like, what are some of the things that you're uh, working on, or just just doing in general, living life? What have you been up to? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm working on my story for the Raid Four anthology, uh, written by Andrew Healy, who's part of the studio. He's a great writer. Um, we've also him and I have written a new story for the next Cauldron that uh, we're we're trying to do something like sort of. Edgar Allan Poe-esque like not I mean it's a little bit derivative of like some of his stuff but it's also we've made it our own but we definitely just wanted to have that vibe of like reading like an Edgar Allan Poe story Uh, and I think we've got that and Jason Tokowitz who's been one of the uh, he's done stories in every one of the cultures so far he's amazing basically he's drawing it and I'm going to ink him again like we did on the last one Uh, and it's I'm really excited about this one this story's like it was sort of my concept, and then Healy helped me, like, you know, put it all together and plot it out, and we've been working on it for, I don't know, I mean, it's only, like, eight, eight or ten pages or something like that, but, like, we've been kind of fleshing it out over the better part of since last fall, and I think we're, I'm really happy with where it's going to go and how it's going to look, so I, that one I'm really excited about. This is for... This is for the Cauldron. Cauldron, yeah. and then you've got to put it for the Raid 4. Yeah. Which also I do with Healy, which I'm drawing myself, which I'm working on now. It's kind of a cool take on, um, uh, I don't know, I guess you could call it like the revisionist history or something like that, but the idea is that, you know, the 27 Club musicians and yeah, yeah. who would die. So basically the idea is that there's actually, it's not a- accidental and uh, they're not like suicides or stuff like that or overdoses. It's like there is a guy who actually murdered these people and we get to meet the guy who murdered all these different uh, characters and like why and his motivation and it's actually it's a very cool story I'm really excited so okay sorry that one is going to be in the Raid 4 that's the Raid 4 anthology that sounds like a, I'd love to see like 12 issues of that that sounds awesome yeah I mean it's kind of just like a little snippet a glimpse yeah. of like what this guy but it's uh, it's it's a lot of things that I like um, like basically one of the, the main the protagonist of it is just like an old country singer who actually was supposed to die at 27, but he somehow, like, well, he just was such a fuck-up that he, like, always avoided dying. Like, he was, like, you know, the plane was supposed to go down, he, like, missed his plane and stuff like that. So it's, like, that type of... It's kind of based a little bit on, like, uh, I don't know if you know who George Jones is, but he's a big country singer. And his nickname was No Show Jones because he would just get so drunk and fucked up that, like, he would, like, his the stage would be, like, his band would be on playing and he just wouldn't show up to the show and stuff like that. And, like, his way... His wife, I think, was I think her name was Tammy Wynette. They were like a country couple, and 
he would get so drunk that he would like want to drive to the liquor store and buy more and she tied his keys so there's like a story where he just like rode his lawnmower to the liquor store to buy more booze <laughs> so it's just like it's kind of like roughly the character is sort of based on like a character like that kind of like some amalgam of like old country singers and stuff like that that's very cool that sounds like um, I mean I don't know if the comparison is is fair but it's kind of like what Tarantino does with historical events and then just taking things that did happen and giving you a spin on the what if I kind of like the idea of all these famous legendary artists and musicians who they wasn't just that you know Jim Morrison and uh, what's her name was she 27 I was thinking Janis Joplin yeah and and, and Cobain Robert Johnson, old blues singer. <laughs> no, there's even like Robert Johnson, yeah, yeah. who's like the guy who like. The one that kind of starts. It, I think right? he's like the first, yeah, yeah. yeah. The pioneer. The yeah, no, yeah kind of, yeah. Oh, man. And even Winehouse. Yeah. That's something. What do you think that, like, I know this is just speculative, but what do you think it is about that time span of when they become the artist who's making the work? And, and within their career, like, they do so much, or they, they make such an impact that by 27, they, I don't know, I don't think Tupac was. Tupac was 25. He just misses it. You know, Biggie was 24 and Pac was 25, something like that? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Like, yeah. They just miss it. But you think about, for instance, like Notorious B.I.G. I know we're on a tangent, but from 1992, when he shows up on the scene, to 97, he leaves such an indelible mark, not just because he died, but it's very rare that you see somebody really reach the pinnacle of, of their genre like they did and still kind of be the, the watermark for it. And, and it could be now because they died, but man, I, thinking of Amy Winehouse, it shocks me that she was 27 too. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is part of it. Like they probably, they're around for a certain amount of time, and then they hit it big at probably the early 20s, and then they get a few years of prime, and then just go off the rails. So it just makes it sense that it's like this, like, 27 is just this coincidental number that just seems to, like, happen. Is there, is there an artist, though, really, that all the great artists have messed up backstories? Like, even comedians, right? Like, some of the funniest comedians, you find out, like, they're sad. Most comedians are damaged people. That's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, like, I've hung around the Toronto comedy scene. My, my old roommate was a comedian. You get to know a lot of them, and like, they're pretty fucked up. And it makes sense. I mean, like, mo- like there's a reason people become actors, become yeah. musicians, comedians. They're looking for an attention, and they're trying to fill some sort of hole or void or there's some trauma there that they're trying to, to deal with. And... I think out of it comes great art, generally, right? But it's like it makes sense that most of them are like damaged people in some way. But I mean, people in general usually have some sort of trauma and damage in some way, right? Like, yeah, I think art is is uh, the comforting way to to cope, right? When you there's nothing quite as inspiring or as touching when you see a person tell a story that's real close to them that is kind of dark. Like we we all somehow gravitate towards those things well it's real man it's yeah. the realest stuff and I, yeah I don't I think it's just like yeah through trauma or whatever happened to you like that's what comes out is beautiful art right like, 
but yeah, you think of comedians as like just hilarious people that are like always happy and other, but most of them are not, and they're like jealous and weird and angry and um, yeah. I don't know. Do you find that something that, as a person in the creative field, that you have to fight within yourself to not get into that frame of mind of being, I don't know, insecure or jealous or watching what everyone else is doing, perhaps like, oh, they're being successful, what am I not doing? Do you find that's a, a hurdle to overcome in yourself? I think in comics it's a little bit different. The community seems to be... There's definitely that, and I do see that with certain people where they're kind of like, the, there's that, well, this person got this deal, like, what the fuck, like, why aren't I getting that deal? And so like that. But I've, from what I've seen, actually, like, more of the comedian community, actor community, so like that, seems to be stronger, whereas, like, in comics, generally, I think we're pretty supportive, and especially the guys in our studio here, but in general, in Toronto, the community, like, everyone's pretty supportive of each other and happy for, and we always say, it's like rising Rising Tides raises all ships, right? So it's like, if someone in my studio or someone I know gets a really good deal, I'm fucking really happy for them. And it's like, you know, uh, maybe you can go that way, maybe you can get something like that, but at the same time, it's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, good for them, you know? Like, there's so many people that don't make money or can make a living at what they do, and someone gets a good deal, I'm like, good for them, man. Really good for them. People ask me all the time when I tell them that I podcast, and like, they make money off of it, or how many listeners and what's your end goal like what's your for you as an as a comic book artist do you did you ever have um you know an end game in mind of where you wanted to see yourself or you or were you happy to just create and be a part of the community i think it's definitely like i'm still not where i'd like to be where like i want to be able to just do this full time as your career like yeah. yeah this is what you want to pay the yeah, bills with I still work but it's also it's like uh, I've never done the whole freelance thing like I, I freelance but I also have always had like a steady job mm-hmm. that I know that will pay my bills uh, and I've never gotten to the point where I just completely freelance and to me it's a little bit scary but it's been inspiring talking to the guys at the studio because a lot of them are that where, but it's like you gotta hustle you gotta set up your next job you gotta like you gotta be ready that you might not have a job this month and that type of thing right so it is a different world so it's like I gotta take that leap and get there but I'm also pretty content where I'm working like I am doing stuff I like to do a little bit more art and have a little bit more free time but I like having a steady job I also like working in another industry like I work in the restaurant industry and I actually really do love it because it's like it can be a really fun it can be a really awful place to work but it also I mean I run my own kitchen now so it's like I can create my environment and like I like working with certain people I like doing like crazy busy services things like that it can be really fun and and exciting too so I like having that as well Uh, yeah Yeah, the the something like the restaurant and even for myself working in construction there's a lot of sometimes downtime that dictated by weather dictated all different things that slow you down but when it's when you have that bit of a rush of like it's go time and you got all those orders coming in and you see the kitchen and everybody working together there's something about that that builds i don't know there's a sense of accomplishment to see what you got through at the end of the day so i get it but um yeah i always i always wonder if for me like even daff asks me like you know your podcast you've gotten better at it you've gotten good interviews what are you going to do next i'm like i'm i just like the journey do you ever feel the same way where where you started to say like i want a table at a con to now you're 
at Raid Studios. Like you got a table amongst yeah. like professionals working on stuff that they're making movies out of. Like what's what's that been like? I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's I mean it's kind of cool. I guess it's been like a really slow evolution. So mm-hmm. it's like for the longest time, I I knew a bunch of guys that were part of Raid Studios, and I knew of guys like Ramon and Marcus, but I didn't know them that well and. You get to know these guys, and it's just like, I mean, I don't really think of it too much. It's just like, it's, it is pretty cool when you step back and look at it. But, I yeah. mean, it's just, at this point, I've been with Raid for a couple of years, a little bit more than a couple of years. And, you know, new guys have come in and stuff like that. And so I'm no longer, like, the new kid on the block. But, like, it just kind of feels like home at some point, too, right? I think COVID also made a difference because all of a sudden there was only, like, three of us working out of here for, like, a long time. Uh, so it really becomes like your own kind of home and stuff like that. Or, mm. but I mean, in general, like, I don't know, it's just really nice to be like the one thing too is like, and I told Ramon this, like he's a hero of mine. Tale of Sand, I think is one of like the greatest books ever done. But I, so I'd always like, I was just like, oh my God, like Ramon Perez. Right, yeah. But now I've like hung out with him. And he's just, he's just a fucking guy, you know, they're just, yeah, yeah. They're, everyone's just normal people. Like it's just, and generally they're nice and we all help each other. And some of them are better artists than one than me, you know, like that's fine. But I think that's that's the that's the fun of it all is that you just wanted you wanted to just do something that you liked, yeah. and before you know it, you're sharing spaces or sharing stories or spending time with people who are helping you that you never even thought you'd be sharing the space with. But it's just regular life. Yeah. Like I never thought when I signed up for CaveAssault2.com, I'd be having a coffee with, you know, whoever's at Rage Studio. It's just cool. Yeah. And I think that's, I think when you do that, good things will come. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think all the pieces fall kind of into place. And it, it kind of is happening with you in a way, right? You got from you and Ricky kind of being the tag team. Yeah, yeah. You know, and have Black, Black, uh, Black Hole Hunters Black Club. Black Hole Hunters yeah. Club. And you were everywhere you guys were tabled together. Yeah. And now... You're still associated with Cauldron and all, but now it became Cauldron. Yeah. And now he's got Undergrowth, and yeah. you've got, you know, more. Like, it's really cool to see the evolution of yeah. where things go. Well, through. I think of it too, like, I always, like, sometimes you meet guys at Comic Cons or stuff like that, and they think of, like, in their mind, it's like, I got a network. Yeah. And in their mind, they're like, network is like, I go to an event, I go to a bar after, and I talk about my comic, and I pitch to people. And you're like, that's not really, like, how it works. It's like, the best way to network is like go out and have fun and meet people and make friends with these people and like if you're competent at what you do or talented at what you do and they know you now it's like oh let me think of this guy for a job or this thing and it just kind of works that way where it's like just getting to know people being cool enjoying your time enjoying life in general is like that's kind of like the better way to network right like it's like it works better than being in your face trying to like push an agenda on someone where it's like yeah, like, I mean, I've gotten work because, like, a guy that Ramon used to work for, he sends work my way and stuff like that. And so, like, but it's not like I'm, like, pushy. And, you know, it's just, like, that's the way things happen sometimes. So Yeah, you're, yeah. you're, you're steadily reliable and you put yourself in, in places. Sometimes you get out of the comfort zone yeah. to try stuff. And before you know it, it's like you, you know the whole town. Yeah. Or, like, you were telling that story at, at dinner tonight where you went to the Boston Comic Con and... Hung out with John Cassidy. I didn't know that. Oh, that was in New York. That was in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool shit. Yeah, it was kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. It was, 
I was fanboying out a little bit. I mean, that was like 10 years ago, but like, yeah, I was like, and I was so into Planetary, and I was like... That's what I mean. Yeah, I know how much you love that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who, is there anyone now that, or have it, have you like overcome it because of having been in the community so long? Take care, Marcus. See you, buddy. Um, that, is there any person that you may still fanboy out if you did get to meet them or... Get them to look at your work, for instance? No, I mean, I think I've, like, I, I mean, not that they would remember, but I met, like, some of my heroes, like Joe Casada, I've met a bunch of times, and mm-hmm. Frank Quitely in, like, 2005 when he was doing, like, All-Star Superman, like, he, like, looked at my portfolio and gave me some tips and stuff like that, That's and, like, cool. yeah, it was really cool, and, like, I don't know, I've met, like, Dale Keown, and he was friendly enough, but, like, I don't know. I mean, no, I think at this point, I think, I don't know, I'm trying to think, I mean, I think of it differently now where it's not the guys that like you don't put them as much on like a pedestal it's just mm-hmm. like like you know you're a fan of Daniel Warren Johnson yeah yeah I love his work uh, Kyle in the studio like we talk about his work all the time we love Murder Falcon Extremity Wonder Woman Dead Earth but like now I think of it as like I mean, I'm just like, yeah, like he just seems like a cool dude. Like, I'd love to just have some beers with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, it's different. Where it's like, I mean, definitely, I'm in awe of his work, but it's it's kind of different. Like, I don't, I don't feel like a little kid looking up at like a Dale Keown, you know? Yeah. Where it's just be like, yo, man, that guy seems like a fucking good dude to have a beer with and stuff like that. So something like that, I guess. Yeah. No, it's true. You you realize that. I think that's the cool thing for me, having been a fan for so long. When you meet a lot of these guys and when you do speak to them over the podcast or at a table, they oftentimes love the same stuff you like. Like, they're just guys. Yeah. And it's not like you're... I remember one time when when, uh, Christopher Lloyd was here from Back to the Future, obviously a huge Back to the Future fan. But I asked the guy who went to get his picture signed from him, and he's just looking at the picture. And I don't know if he's happy or... Wondering what the hell did I just do? Yeah. Because it was like an eighty dollar, yeah. whatever. And I'm like, was it worth it? And he looked up. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was he like, I, I said, but you got to meet Doc. He's like, yeah, I know, but. And then my head, I'm like, well, I just went and spoke to, I don't know, Ed McGinnis or Kevin McGuire for yeah. twenty minutes about the latest movie. Yeah. Which is much cooler. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's also he's not dog like Christopher Lloyd. I love Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, but he's just some guy. Like he's he's like yeah, he's famous. But like it's also it's. I, I mean, I guess I'd rather have a conversation with someone, like a more approachable comic book artist or something like because they probably want to have like a might actually want to have a conversation with you where it's like if it's someone super famous, you're like. They don't really want to talk to you, and they're probably looking at their watch, going, "When's this going to be over?" Sick Even if they dog. were, you know, what I mean? yeah, like, uh, so I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I've never been one to be like, uh, like I don't really care about famous people. Like, yeah. like I remember we like uh, a couple of years ago, I ran into like George St. Pierre on King Street, and like I don't even take pictures with people, but the girl I was with, I was like, "Can you take a picture?" Just because like no one's gonna believe I just ran into him, right? And like. But it was like, I don't really care. Like, I'm not like a fanboy where it's like, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, I wasn't, he, he looked like he wanted to get the hell out of there before a lineup started. So I was like, let him go. Like, I don't, but what am I going to do? Like, I think he wants to talk to me and hang out with me. Like, he doesn't, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I remember one time I met, uh, or I walked by a baseball player that was for the Jays and I shouted him out and I was coming from work and I looked, I looked homeless. Yeah, yeah. Like, my shirt was white t-shirt with just dirt and random spots my bad sneakers 
And I'm like, hey, it's it's you. And he's like, yeah. Yeah. What's up? I'm like, okay, bye. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> no, I mean, no that, one care. Well, that should be how it is, man. Right? Like, let the guy go live his life. Like, yeah. who cares? Exactly. He just wants to go buy sneakers. Don't bother him. Yeah. He doesn't need a photo op. Um, working, working here now, and seeing all the different types of projects that people work on. What are some of the things that like pique your interest that maybe before you didn't think were options like that you could work on? Wait, what do you mean? Like stuff? I I don't know. Like like types of stories or type ways that you can use your your artistic abilities. Because you know, before you know, you, we all start off. Not me, but artists and writers. They want to make a comic book. They want their own little yeah. book, right? And then you come to raid, and you realize a lot of these guys who are successful artists are not comic book guys. Yeah, yeah. They're they're storytellers, but in all different ways. So, it, has there been stuff here that you was like, "Oh, that's that's something that I could probably do really well," and that I didn't necessarily think of at first? Not really. I mean, I've always been like like oh, oh, once I started making my own comic books, I sort yeah. of fell out of love with the superhero genre. Yeah, yeah. And I discovered things like Top Shelf and Drawing Quarterly and things like that, and black and white books and auto bio type stuff and. I got really into that type of stuff. So for me, that was always like, I want to do stuff like that too, where it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, and I always, I mean, I think a, a lot of people, they want to work on like a big superhero book or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, it'd be cool if I could do that. But also like, I, that's not what I want to do now. So it's like, I mean, I see something like, like Tale of Sand or, you know, so something that's really different, its own thing and just artistically so beautiful and unique and stuff like that i'm like i'd rather do something like that than you know i I, but i think we're doing it like what we do on cauldron is stuff that i want to do i mean i'm i'm working on the new morris too it's like that's the book that i wanted to do and it's not when i was a kid i was like yeah i want to draw superman or whatever it was but it's it's very it's i've dropped that a long time ago where it's like that's not what i'm looking for i'd rather do like something something very different something my own uh, my own story I guess kind of like I have a few ideas and like I'm working on stuff with Healy and stuff like that and like concepts that I, I really want to do that are maybe more like auto-bio or like influenced by like you know things that I've done in the past and stuff like that and I mean that's I'm, I mean it's cool seeing what people are doing and it's cool seeing like Scott Hepburn's desk is next to me and he's working on this he was doing Modoc and he was doing Deadpool and he's doing I don't know if I can say what he's doing now what I've seen but like it's it's superhero Marvel stuff and it's gorgeous. I love it, but it's also yeah. it's like for me, I'm like it's inspiring to see that. But that's also it's like I I'm not really trying to do that. I just I love seeing it. But again, I tell these guys too, being in the studio, it's you think of it as like someone sits next to you and then they go like, hey, here's some pointers on how to do this. But like often it's not that. Sometimes you just you're gonna get better by osmosis by walking and seeing what these guys are doing, and then it just inspires you. And then there's also days where you're like, I'll never be this good. And like you feel the opposite effect. But most of the time you're just inspired by seeing all the different guys working on different things. Some of them are storyboard artists. Some are doing all kinds of different things that aren't comic books. It's just you see that and you're like, oh, my God, I just I got to keep trying. I got to do better. I got to keep growing. And whether you want to or not, you're going to get better because of it. Yeah. I think do you think nowadays that the comic book genre or the medium, sorry, the medium of comic books, the superhero genre of it is more useful for name recognition 
because really the best stuff is what people want to make on their own. Like mm -hmm. it, it's now more by this Hickman book, he did this and this and this for the Avengers. Yeah. You'll like this, you know, or even with like Brubaker, for instance, he's got so much recognition for being the winter soldier guy, but really he's now doing the stuff he likes with his crime noir and whatever it is. And, and I feel us guys our age growing up that le loved superheroes, I mean, I still love superhero comics, but for people such as yourself creating, it seems like you all, most of you guys, you like your superheroes, but you'd rather tell your own story now. Yeah, I think it's like, I love seeing like what a Jeff Lemire is doing where he's like, He's got a million different books through every different type of publisher, yeah. doing his own Kickstarter, stuff like that. And it's all different genres, different things. I love seeing that more than... But I think it's part of it is like you just get superhero fatigue where it's like for the longest time, comic books were superheroes. That's what all right. it was. And it's like, it, no, it's just a medium that you can do, a mil you can tell a million different stories through, right? So it's like, I like seeing other type of stuff. And it's just like every time I hear a new... Like I look at Marvel and DC stuff and I just... I'm like, I feel like I've, like, I don't know, like, it kind of just seems like they're redoing the same things over and over again. And I'm just like, how many times can you, I mean, I don't want to, I haven't really read Chip Zdarsky's, like, Daredevil run. I hear it's amazing. But it's like, how many times can you rip Mur Murdoch's life apart and then he's got to put himself back together? Like, it just kind of feels like that's the same thing over and over again. And I, for me, I'm like, I don't want to read any more Batman stories. Like, I'd be fine if, like, Batman ended. Like, I want I want some new stuff. I want some creative stuff, right? Like, but it's just, like, the, the giant corporations got to keep pumping out stuff. So it just, so I think I just, like, you turn to other things. Like, I want to read, like, an Adrian Tomine book, you know, like, uh, from John and Quarterly or whatever it is. Like, something unique. Yeah, it's, it, there is something about... Um comic book storytelling because like you said people think of comic books and they just think superheroes superheroes but when you read some of these books that people are making that they want to make um it just it makes they're like these little not they're real novels they're real stories that have a beginning middle and end that there's a this fulfilling complete complete thing that you have inside when you get that kind of that's a, that's a spy story yeah. there's no capes there's no superpowers. It's just a well-written story that has an ending, and you don't have to buy a thousand episodes issues yeah. to keep going. Like you're right, the fatigue and the the cost of keeping up with the latest it never ends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like there's never a nice. Yeah, that's a good spot. Yeah, and there's like, and I think you're starting to see it too. And like, uh, guys, you're right. The, Big name artists, they they use your Batman's, your X Men's, whatever. As they, that's where they create their name, and they become these popular, popular names. And then they end up doing other stuff, which is more probably fulfilling for them. And I, you're starting to see a lot of it. And it's beautiful. Like you're seeing guys turn to Kickstarters instead of going to a publisher because they're like, I can cut out the middlemen and I can make a lot more money and do exactly the book I want without any editorial like input. And it's kind of a beautiful thing that's happening now. You see, like, these big name, like, even, like, I think it was, like, Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent, and they hired an artist. They did that. It was called, like, Cosmic Detective or something like that. Their Kickstarter went over $100,000, uh, 100, like, and, and the abominable Charles Christopher, the Carl Kirscher one, hit, what did Sam say, 140? Something crazy. They 140K. It's, like, 
I'm so happy to see that. It's like you can do the book you want, the project you want, and you can make a realistic living off something like that, which is really beautiful to see. Yeah. Um, what, I'm trying to think now. I had a question in my head and now I, I lost it. No, it's true. It's, it's one of those things where, you, where now I'm going down the rabbit hole of picking up these, like, these passion projects that people have because it kind of does feel like we're hitting a point where the superhero genre, whatever's being published by those classic big two, as we call them, it just seems like people are writing stories, f- hopefully that they'll make it into the movies. You know, you know, like it, they're just sort of um, brainstorming ground for the IP to now have something to make into an animation or, or live action. Where and do you think that's that's kind of happening too often, even in independent comics or creator-owned comics, where it seems like all these six-issue things are just uh, show pitches? Yeah, I definitely feel like that. I feel like people have seen. The success of, you know, a Jeff Lemire or, or Mark Miller, yeah. or Millar, I don't know how people say his name, whatever, but like his Netflix, whereas like a lot of their stories, it feels like this is a, this is basically just like a pitch for a TV show or they're setting it up to be optioned or something like yeah. that. So I definitely think there is a, 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 something a little bit sad about losing just like they're not doing it just for the sake of making a beautiful comic book, but at the same yeah. time, I'm like good for them they should be getting paid and if that's the way to do it that gives them the freedom to do more other cool stuff so cool good i like it but i definitely like like reading comics that are like this was made to be a comic book and nothing else like like i think about that with preacher like yeah my favorite stories ever and it's like yeah okay you can adapt this into a tv show but it's like uh, and i didn't like the tv show but i'm like reading the books i'm just like this is just like perfect this works amazingly just as it is uh same thing with like scott pilgrim like yeah okay they made a movie out of it people seem to like that if it makes it more mainstream and he makes money off of it cool but the comic books on their own it's just like that's beautiful it's such a beautiful thing that they did yeah that that's that's what i was going to ask you what what are some you mentioned preacher we've talked about that before but what are some good examples of comic book stories that really show that this can only be done in comics that's what makes this medium special because everything like especially the mark millar stuff they all just seem like yeah. ready to be movie yeah ready to be on and i personally like them they're a lot of fun he gets good artists to work with him yeah. can't be mad at it and it's one of, it's very easy his books are very easy like here read this tell me if you like it you'll most likely like it yeah right but you're right. It's almost written and drawn to be a movie. But Preacher, I thought to myself, this story can only be done and work through these pages because it's so like shocking. Yeah. But it, if I saw it in film, I would be like, I can't believe I just watched yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't feel that when I read the comic. Yeah. I also think something like planetary, like the way it works and it's also, it really relies on you being a fan of comic books and all these other things that they're incorporating into it, all the different genres and like that. So it, but it, it's like the way it is and the way it's so compact and every panel means something. I feel like, Sure, they could adapt it, but I don't think it will. You really get the true sense of it. It's kind of like Watchmen; like it was only made to be mm. a, a a book, 
a, a comic book. Right. So it doesn't work. Like, there's a reason that, like, okay, it made, they made a movie out of it. The movie's kind of cool, uh, but it doesn't really feel like what it was supposed Like, you don't really get the true sense of what Watchmen is because there's certain things about the every little detail in the background like alan moore thought of everything for that right yeah. and it's like the way the page is laid out and even things like in scott pilgrim there's certain things where it's like the layout of the page you're like this doesn't translate to film you can make that in the movie but you can't translate this feeling right now reading this layout how it, that doesn't work in the film like you can't do it right like kind of like i always talk about too like eternal sunshine on the spotless mind they do things in that movie where it's like you couldn't do it in any other medium. You couldn't describe the way they're doing it. You, it wouldn't work in a comic book. It wouldn't work in a novel. So there's certain things that just like that's the way they have to be in that medium. And I'm like, I just love, yeah, I love st- like I love Prophet, like Brandon Graham, Simon Roy's Prophet, uh, basically the take on. They made like this giant space opera version of like the the old Rob Liefeld character, and it was like I think it was about five years long, and there's like five trades of it, and it's just amazing but it's not something that i think would ever translate properly into a movie or a film or something like that like it just it works in the book it's so compact with all this crazy sci-fi concepts we're like it just it, it is what it is and it should be like that yeah did you like i don't know if you saw it but i know that you mentioned the trailer the last time we spoke um jupiter's legacy did you end up watching it <laughs> it's awful is it yeah it's terrible i want i think they canceled like they're not bringing back it for season two uh, I did watch it. Uh, I tried to give it a, a good. It's not good. It's not good at all. It was. I mean, I think for some of the reasons. I think like when we were talking about like his beard looking fake and yeah, kind of yeah. shitty. I think that's like sort of just like, that's like that gives you a sense of like the their entire approach to it. Where you're like, if they can't even get the beard right, of course they're not gonna like get it right. I think they saw like what the boys did, and they're trying to do like their kind of take on that. But it's like, it was not good, man. And and I went back and reread the Jupiter's legacy, uh, books, the ones with like that Frank Quayley did the art for, cause there's Jupiter circle, but I didn't reread that one. But I went back and be like, is this a good story or is it just cause I like Frank Quayley? But the story is actually pretty good, but the, I haven't read it. So yeah, like describe it to me, kind of give me the, the sales pitch. If you were in a comic shop, let's say, nah, I don't know how to do that. I, just, <laughs> I would just be like, yo, Frank Quayley drew this by it. So, but it's, um, it's kind of like, you know, every story's got their sort of take on the, the Superman of that world yeah. and that type of thing. Um, but you, you should just read it. I don't, I don't know how to give you the sales pitch for it, but it's good. <laughs> but the show stinks. Because I almost bought the, the set. A recent comic book shop had a sale and I was going to buy all four volumes or whatever it was. Because yeah. the thing with, with that series specifically was I didn't know which came first, Jupiter Circle, Jupiter's Legacy, yeah. this, that, the, part two. I was, uh, I don't know. But, and then they make the show. So you're thinking to yourself, well, there's got to be something here for them to want to make a show out of something, yeah. right? So I'm always interested then in reading, you know, The Sweet Tooth or uh, Jupiter's Legacy or even Umbrella Academy. And I, I I probably won't read Umbrella Academy. I'm not crazy about the art style in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like something like Jupiter's Legacy, it's a, it's a shame whenever you see some type of a comic book property and they're like, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. I don't know, man. The but show, not everything should be adapted. Yeah, that's true. But well, I mean, I do think Mark Miller stuff should be adapted because that's exactly what he's trying right. to do. But I mean, just like, there's so basically like, there's the there's an origin story of how these guys got their powers and it's like they sailed this island but in the comic book it's like it's kind of like a short little bit and they don't get too deep into it 
but they like went back and like so half the show of Jupiter's Legacy was like this these flashbacks like literally half of it was like this boring story about like it, it should have just been like they went to the island but they're like really drawing it out I think they were really trying to draw out a lot of it to make into multiple seasons I guess yeah. cause like so they're like world building yeah like basically they're like uh, I, I won't spoil anything because you want to read the book but there's like a big epic part where uh, it should have been the end of season one but you're like oh they didn't even do that yet you're like oh they're really trying to draw this out like when are they gonna like uh, do this thing I don't, I don't want to spoil it so I won't <laughs> That's okay. but ju- you should read Jupiter, Jupiter's Legacy if you if you read Jupiter's Circle it's sort of like uh, it's a prequel and it's like when they're younger oh, okay. so you don't have to read it I buy them because it quite like did the covers oh, and I can't remember okay. who did the interiors not my favorite art but it was it was okay but I mean if you just read like there's Jupiter's Legacy Volume 1 and 2 and they just came out with a new one where quite Lee's not doing the art he's doing the covers and it's Tommy Lee Edwards doing the interiors who I love Tommy Lee Edwards so I bought the first issue but uh, I didn't love it so far but I didn't realize they're doing like a new one but like yeah they've jumped also I read some comic books hold on I got I went to the comic book store and bought some comics <laughs> it was the first time in a long time actually how often before uh, COVID would you hit up a comic book shop just like whenever. I used to be like the Wednesday Warrior a long time ago. And I've, I think since I stopped really being into Marvel and DC, I would like see, I follow the creators on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. And so I see what they're posting, but I always don't want to buy singles. I want to buy the trades. So yeah. I like, I tell myself, like, just remember, get that when there's a trade. And then I forget. So sometimes I just like, we got to go to BMV together. And yeah. I just like, oh yeah, this trade. I wanted to read this story. So that's like the kind of thing. But I bought some books. I bought Jupiter's Legacy Requiem. I bought two covers. There's a black and white Quietly cover, so I had to buy both of them because it's Quietly. But I bought uh, Berserker, that Keanu Reeves, Ron Garney one with, I think, Matt Kent. Did you read that? Did you? I didn't back the Kickstarter. It made like a shit ton of money, which obviously because it's Keanu Reeves part of it. But I think it's, he's just like, the face of it, I don't. Yeah. I doubt he writes much of it. It, it seems to be like Matt Kent, and he'll be the character in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's I don't love it. <laughs> it wasn't. It's just kind of like um, oh, we were talking about it before. It's like any sort. Like I guess it's some character who just can be like regenerated. So they just like literally. It's like when they figured out they could just like set Wolverine on fire or shoot like five thousand arrows into him and he'll. They just. It's kind of just the same thing or like Bloodshot. They did it like that. Yeah. It kind of feels like Bloodshot or like Wolverine. It's just like some guy who's just like a human punching bag, and they're just like, how much damage can we do to this guy? And then I don't know. I didn't. Lie. I didn't really. So like that's it. that's basically the hook of it because I I have I bought an issue of. Uh, of it, like the issue one, you had to get it, right? I saw it at BMV, like you said. You didn't read it? I haven't read the issue. Because I, whenever I read, I usually read in a trade. I read... It's a good toilet comic. Like, you just, you read it on the toilet. I read like, all my comics on the toilet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's mostly, like, it's just like a guy, and it's just like, how much things can we do? How many times can we just shoot him in the face? And like, you know, and then he regenerates or something like that. So it's there's not really? much to it. And I, I'm a huge Ron Garney fan. Okay. Uh, I love his work. And it's hard to say, like, I don't know why, but I don't like his art in this. And then you look at it and there's a lot of detail in there. So it's like, you can't say like he phoned it in, but it's just like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like there's a lot of love. It just kind of feels like something they're doing. And I mean, good for them. Like anyone who's part of it is going to have like, they're going to make their money. They're going to, it's going to be a successful thing. But I just, I was like, I don't know, man, this isn't for me. A lot of hype. 
Yeah, I mean, it's I get it. It's Keanu Reeves. Everyone, he's the internet darling everyone loves, right? So and he's like the nicest guy, and then he's doing a comic. So I get it. It's John Wick. Yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> pretty much, basically. But I also got the uh, Milestone stuff. I got the new Static, and then the Milestone Return. It was like a bunch of different stories of the, the Milestone stuff. They're coming out with, uh, with a compendium yeah. of Milestone, of the original stuff. I want that. And it's going to be, I think they, they're going to put the whole series of the original books in, I don't know if they're going to like volume, put them in volumes. So volume one of this compendium will be like issue one to 12 of Static and issue one to 12 of, or one to 10 of Hardware. Yeah. It's going to be a mix of them and they're going to put the whole line in a number of compendiums, which is kind of like cool. That. I like that. I wish they would... Give a little bit more attention to um, Icon. Yeah. Because it, it's it's an original character, really interesting and nuanced character. And I'd love to see that story be told today. Yeah. I, I, they'd probably change it definitely to match the narrative. But Icon, I read the first uh, eight issues in a trade. I couldn't find the rest of the series. But... I was invested in it. I wanted to see yeah. what would happen next. I forget his sidekick's name, but okay. is that was that? Her? Yeah, it was. It's it's Superman. That's a doctor. He's a black guy. That's a Republican. Yeah, like it's a really interesting concept. Like, and he's a cool design, man. Especially yeah. the, the redesign they've done of him. His like suit. He looks fucking cool as hell, man. Yeah. yeah. How are the books? The 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 new one. Nah, I didn't love it. I mean the the so like the milestone returns one. It was like a bunch of different short stories with like, here's an icon thing, here's a static thing. Um, some of them are okay. I think I will check out like hardware and and I'll I'm a, I'll get like the regular um, icon stuff. But I love static. Static was my favorite, and the original artist on it, John Paul Leon, he just died. He was like fifty something. He like passed away recently, yeah. which is like such a shame. He's such an amazing artist, and he was like the co-creator of Static. But like I don't know, like I didn't love the art on this, but I guess like I, I can't I can't even tell who did the art because there's that artist, his name's Chris Cross. Yeah. Uh, but it looks I I really liked his work years ago, but this stuff looks different, really different, and like almost like there's like a real manga esque. Maybe I'm just getting old and I'm out of touch with like what kids want these days. But I feel like they're trying so hard to make static like it's like they're trying to be like woke. Whereas like I remember like. I, I, the original static, I remember like, and I grew up in like, I grew up in the ghetto in Scarborough and like I had, all my friends were like black kids, brown kids. Like they're all, we're all like poor ghetto kids. And that's why like static really resonated with us where it was like, he was like, he had a single mom and then his sister. And like, he was like basically like a Peter Parker type kid with like Magneto powers. But in this, he's like, there's the dads, like a big part of it. Cause I guess they're like oh, it'd be racist to have a black character that doesn't have a father, so now he has to have a father character, which you're like, okay, I guess. And then there's like, they keep talking about the dad's like, he's getting bullied, so he has to go back to his training. And he talks about like training him in martial arts, but they don't specify what kind of martial art. But then they're like, they don't, you don't even see him training with the dad, but then like a few pages later, it's like, good thing my dad trained me. And he like, it's just, I don't know, it just like, it seems like they're trying too hard to be like, woke and cool and that's why i i picked it up at my comic shop because i was interested in in finding collections of that stuff because yeah. a little bit that i read i'm like this is cool yeah and Dwayne mcduffie was a, a really good writer yeah. 
And uh, I just love the concept of milestone comics. And I said, that's what we need right now. Yeah, That needs to come back. Yeah. But when I flipped the opening page, it was last year's news. Yeah. Not to say that, it, that it, it, it's not um, relevant, but it was like I spent a year watching this. Oh yeah, on That's CNN, the like they all got their powers. Like I think they were at a protest in like the original one. They were at like a protest or something, or like a something like a with a gang or whatever. But then they all got gassed, and that's how they got the powers. But like in this one, it's like they were they were at a they got gassed at a Black Lives Matter rally. You know, like it's like it's yeah. like that's the thing where it's like this agenda of stuff is like I mean I get it, but at the same time you're just like it just feels like they're trying to jam it down your throats. Like that that's that's I think what I've been feeling lately and I couldn't really put it into words without you seeming like without someone possibly saying, ah, you're a comic skate. It's, it's more talk to me. Don't talk at me, talk with me. And I feel with the modern comics, I don't have some of my favorite characters. Like I, I just, I forgot what I was reading late recently. And I was just saying to my wife, I'm like, I really enjoy female led comics yeah. you know like one of my favorite things that i've read recently was wonder woman dead earth yeah um i always talk about miss marvel one of the, the best books i've read was echo from terry moore like there's yeah. a lot of good stuff out there but now when i pick up a marvel or dc book and this is where people are gonna be like well what do you expect what kind of person it's just i feel like everything has to be at you yeah and it's just, just tell me a good story. And if yeah. the person is gay or this or that, I won't care if the story's good. But yeah. if you introduce them yeah. that way and saying the newest person is this, this, yeah. and that, it's yeah, like, yeah. well, that's okay. But why that's is that? Of like authority, like Apollo and Midnighter, they're a couple. They're like basically like Superman and Batman, but they're a gay couple. But you're like. They're so much cooler than Batman and Superman. Like I'd rather read Midnighter. And you're like the like Midnighter's cool, and it has nothing to do with the fact that he's gay. It's just like it just, just happens to be. Yeah, and you're like that's fine. I don't care. I, I like that. That's fine. I don't and, care. And like don't don't like I won't not. This is what what bother me is like the the idea that or the insinuation. I don't. I never read into into the books, but like that there's a polyamorous relationship with Cyclops, Wolverine, and Jean Grey. I'm like that's yeah. stupid. Yeah, I guess. Like, for what For what reason? Is it polyamorous? I thought there was just, like, a love triangle. I, I, there was some sort of insinuation that Cyclops and Wolverine were getting down with each other, too. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, um, but my thing is, like, Midnighter and Apollo, it's like, don't change that now. That's those characters. Leave yeah. them alone, right? Yeah. They're original. That's what they are. Well, I do remember when Authority came out. Now this is like 20 years ago. When Authority was out, they were like, they were, there, someone had mentioned that there was going to be like, like you're going to see Apollo Midnight or Kiss. And like someone wrote in in the like letters column and they were mad that it wasn't like a big like splash page of them making out. Literally it was in the background. They were at a party and they just seen the background. It's like them making out. Mm-hmm. And someone was just like, why are you trying to hide it? And they were like, because it's like the fact that they're gay isn't what they are. It's like they just happen to be gay characters who are really cool characters. And it's like that's like it shouldn't have to be a splash page of them like look at this male male on male kiss. Like they were like that's just part of the story. Like it's just that's fine. Like yeah, they're just like in the yeah, story. it doesn't have to be the cover of the book. You know, like right. Whereas I feel now you can escape that sort of thing in every book. And and as much as you want. 
like I love the diversity that comics brings you because you read the X-Men, you read the Teen Titans, all these characters, the more different they are is what we kind of like about. We don't want, like Shazam always suffered at the fact that he was like a Superman. Yeah, yeah. Right? Unless you're going to do something really different. But when the hook is saying this character's this, they're that, and they're, they, it's like, okay, well, that's one, like, there's a few people who fit that. Yeah. Th- like, you're saying, this is a book for these people. It's yeah. like, but there's only a couple of those people. Make yeah. just a good story. Everyone will read it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It yes. doesn't matter what they look yeah. like. Like, I'm not buying Faith because she's an overweight superhero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm no. buying it because it's a good story. Exactly. That's what we need more. Also, you know what pissed me off about the static, too, is they don't use his powers properly. So, like... In the in the original static, they're kind of just rehashing it, and it's not as good as the original static stuff. But like the guy who bullies him, kind of has like these fire powers, and static has like. But static's thing was he's kind of like a magneto. He uses the static energy, and he can pick up like, I don't know if it's just metal, but like he tend to use he you know he'd like stand on a garbage can lid. That was like he'd oh, levitate. That's and, cool. But in this, he li- literally it looks like Dragon Ball Z. They're just like shooting powers at each other, and like mm-hmm. Static doesn't use his powers in any kind of cool way. And it just like literally, he's just shooting like blue fire or blue lightning, and the other guy's shooting like fire. And you're like, that's kind of stupid. Like it just kind of looks like a manga or something like that. Where I'm like, man, like part of the, like that was the coolest thing about Static is the uh, the way John Paul Leon drew like the funky Static all around him, and the way he's like he would like pick things up and use them. Like uh, I don't know. It was really cool, and they, they that's really missing from this book too. Yeah, I think, like you mentioned, the the agenda to be woke it just seems so trendy that it's losing the value of what it was meant to be in the first place. Like it's so in vogue, yeah, that it's like that's it, it's it's there because they're selling they're, they're selling it to people. Yeah, and what was kind of cool about things like the legacy virus in X-Men was that it was um, an analog for HIV, yeah. but it, you didn't really know it unless you th- realize like, oh, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. got it. And even if you go back to the original X-Men where it was like literally Professor X is your Martin Luther King yeah. and Xavier is the, the Malcolm X, I mean, sorry, yeah. uh, Magneto's the Malcolm X of like the by any means necessary but like that wasn't jammed down your throat. You were like, oh, like you kind of see it, and you're like, that makes sense. But like, it wasn't like, this is what they are, and here's like, like I don't know, like it's more subtle, I guess. And you want subtlety, but again, we're dealing with if you're gonna read a DC comic or a Marvel comic, these are giant corporations, and yeah. they they are and their end game is money, and they're trying to like yeah profit off being woke or whatever it is, or try to seem like we always talk about it. Like I mentioned before, it was like. In the 2016 campaign with Hillary Clinton and Trump, and she like, she said something was like dope or something like that, and you're like, ah, that's exactly what it feels like. You're like, Hillary Clinton, you can't say that something's dope. You're an old white lady, like, and that just feels like it's like well, you're with this milestone stuff. It's like DC Comics being like, yeah, we're cool, man. We're down with Black Lives Matter. Check it out. We're not a giant evil corporation. Like bringing it back. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's gonna be. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's, and it's weird too now where even the creators of things, like I, I like that there are, you go to a Comic-Con and you see everybody can make comics. Yeah. It isn't a boys club or just an old white guys club. Yeah. Right? But you also 
I also don't want it to be that if you're not this, you can't write that. Yeah. There's that, like, because some of the, like, Black Panther was created by two Jewish guys. And the guy who really dug his teeth into the character to make him something was Don McGregor. Yeah, yeah. So is is it in bad taste now to have anybody else write Black Panther? Yeah, it seems like these days, right? But like, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's the same idea they're doing now with like um, like casting. And I'm like, I get why you don't cast Tilda Swinton as like an Asian character. So I'm like, I get that like, you want to have like... If, if you're going to have, like, Shang-Chi, he should be, like, an Asian guy or whatever. Like, I get sure, that. Yeah. And I understand why they, they want representation. So, yeah. But now it's getting to the point where it's, like, people can't even, like, it, it, will, will someone be doing a, an accent? And now it's going to be, like, is that cultural appropriation? Like, this, like well, where, where do you draw the line where it's, like, at some point, too, it's, like, they are acting and they should get to act, you know? So it's, like, now if someone is, like, because, uh, you know, if they cast, if the character is transgendered, if they cast an actress or an actor or someone who's not transgender, people are like, but there's so many transgendered actors that don't get roles. And you're like, yeah, I get it. But it's also like they are acting too. And like maybe they want to name an actor to, so you know what I mean? So it's just like, it becomes this thing where it's like, well, where, where do you draw the line? Where is it okay to like become someone else? They're acting They're You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like today, if they did Forrest Gump, would they would be mad if it was like someone who's like, not mentally challenged in some way, be like, oh, it's it, it's wrong for you to cast Tom Hanks as that guy. You know what I mean? Like, where where's the line drawn? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't. Well, I think I think we are at a point where is it? Everyone's fighting for a right, right? And there's a certain value. There's always not always been. I, I got to watch my words carefully. But there's now this sort of currency in, in where's your victimhood yeah there's there's become a currency in that and you're right i'm impressed that brian cranston made me believe that he's quadriplegic not watching a person who's actually quadriplegic yeah because yeah. he's acting yes right and and it's when a person who isn't transgender really nails it and it's like, ah, they got it because their job is to pretend to be something they're not. Yeah. Right? We're, we can't lose the, the, the art yeah. that goes into pretend. Yes. <laughs> right? But I, I also get, like, I, I understand that you do want representation. And then, yes, there's a lot of transgendered actors and actresses or whatever that aren't getting roles and it's like cool. You do want to you be more inclusive, and you, and you want to build up those names. But it's at the same time, it's like you can't do that with everything all the time. And it is make believe, and it's people acting. So it's like sometimes you just gotta let people act, right? Like, and and in fairness, um, Elliot Page, yeah, right. Um, he's been cast as a woman mm-hmm. his whole life. Yeah, should he no longer play? the character in Umbrella Academy now because he's a man. Yeah. yeah. Or or is, or is he stealing a role from a woman? Yeah, exactly. It's like where how crazy is it going to get? Like or if you're a tr- or if you're a trans yeah. gender, maybe you can play either or if you're good enough of an actor. Yeah, exactly. Right? Maybe she maybe he can still play. Yeah, that, I don't know. You man. know what I mean? Like it, it's it's 
And, and, you know, there's the other aspect, too, in life where in this era of, especially our generation, people younger than us, there's like a somewhat of an era of entitlement where we, we all want to make impact. I think we're in a generation where our, our microphone's in our pocket and our video camera in our pocket makes yeah. us feel like, I have this at my disposal. What am I not doing or saying? I got to do something with it. But at some point, there's paths in life that we take and you should have the freedom and no barrier to prevent you from being who you want to be. Yeah. But a lot of times, the, the choices we make of who we want to be come with a certain level. I don't want to say consequence, but you want to be a police officer, you're not going to be a fireman. Yeah. You know, and, and you, you sometimes take paths in life that you know there's certain ground rules not we haven't gotten there as our evolution as human beings we don't know what we're doing yet with this so sometimes the unfairness isn't really a discrimination necessarily if you're a transgender person and you're not getting the role it's just we haven't really come to this point where there's a slew of people who are going to be trying out for this yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) well we're also like i don't know man my thing is like it makes me feel weird because I'm, 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 I'm liberal. I'm left wing. I'm for progress. But then it gets to the point where the 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 left gets so extreme with stuff. You're just like, ah, like I don't want to say this is getting crazy, but it's getting a little crazy sometimes. But like things with like cancel culture and things like that. And you're just like, yeah, I, I want people to be accountable and stuff like that. But it's like at some point, it's like you guys keep moving the goalposts. And it's like, what's going to be okay? Like, what's okay now today that 10 years from now is going to be, like, frowned upon and stuff like that? It's like, uh, at some point, you just have to be like, you can't cancel everyone who disagrees with you and stuff like that, right? And it's getting really, I don't know, extreme. And I, it makes me feel weird because I'm I'm very liberal and very left-wing and for progress. But, like, there's some things where I'm just like, I can't get on board with this. It's too much. And and that in itself is... Like the the both sides are kind of turning on each other when you're not enough of that. Like, why can't I be who I am and still kind of disagree with how far you're going? But I can still be, like, I consider myself a very liberal person who lives a very conservative life. Sure, yeah. Right? Like, why can't I? Yeah. Why can't I be that way? And can we can, we can't be friends. Like I'm, I'm not against the vaccine. But I can understand people who come from certain parts of the world where some of the things they see us doing makes them have some PTSD. Yeah, yeah. Can you understand them even if we think they're crazy? Just understand. Yeah. And I don't think we, we like that anymore because you've got to pick a side. Yeah, that's the problem is we're getting to an area. I mean, we have been for a long time where everything's so polarizing and there's no nuance anymore. There's no discussion. There's no gray area. It's like you're with us or you're against us. And, and it's what's like, so funny is that there's no gray area and it's it's like there's no gray area for people who are telling you that every color of the rainbow is is the, is the yeah. one and there's no bind like yeah. non-binary but you have to be binary and, yeah. and feeling this way it's it's weird. Yeah, I don't know, man. But you know what? Um we'll just we'll get older, we'll go live in the woods. 
That's what I want to do. With, with our books? Fantasy. You know my fantasy about living <laughs> off in the woods? <laughs> I just can't start. I can't do anything in the woods. I'd be dead in like three days. I can't start a fire. In my, I could start a fire. In my head, I think I would do fine. But then like, nah, I would give up so quickly. It's so like quick. We live such plush, like comfortable lives. But, we really do. I mean, I, I told you this. I have my fantasy about going out. I read that book when I was a kid, My Side of the Mountain. Yeah, yeah. And this kid who just goes up into like the Catskills and just like decides to live on his own and like... It's my favorite thing. He he ends up like hollowing out an old tree and he like makes a little tree house for himself. And I'm just like, like Fred Penner, like Fred Penner, but yeah, <laughs> like Fred Penner. He hides his guitar in the rock and, but yeah, like I love reading stories about people going off the grid and doing stuff like that. And I'm like in my head, I'm always like, I'm gonna do that one day, but I'm like never going to. But I love stories about that. It's it's interesting how like I mean you both are city boys. I love the city. I love walking the streets of the city. I can go to New York and spend all my time there. But as you get older, you start to really appreciate the lush beauty of green. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Nature is so important. Like, and I talked to Mike Ruth about this, too, because he loves to go hiking and stuff like that. And him and Erica go out. They love to be in nature. I love it. Part of like where I'm living now, I'm in, in the annex. It's, I love it. There's all these big oaks and big maples everywhere. And it's just like something really beautiful about like the greenery and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, I grew up in Scarborough where it's like suburban, like you have a green lawn and like all the houses kind of look the same and like, it's kind of like lifeless and stuff. So I, I love, but I'm, my favorite thing in the world is just going up north to a cabin or a cottage or camping and like just being in nature and like not wearing shoes and my feet are all covered in dirt. Like it's my favorite. Could you could you see yourself switching it up and living like that, or are you so used to um, Young and Eglinton being too far north for you? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I definitely. My goal in life is like I definitely, as I get older, I want to move outside somewhere that's like cottagey or outside the city or like somewhere in the woodish area, something like that. I would. I, that's my dream is to end up there. Basically, like I just chop wood and stuff like that. I love chopping wood. <laughs> it's so funny how that that comes like it it just you naturally gravitate towards that sort of quiet that serene that being in touch with nature as you get a little bit older you realize how healthy it is like it's healthy for your mind it's healthy for your body to walk through it like you feel life is is there it's so scary when you think of like all those people and living in the coastal areas and they're everything's burning down around them like yeah. horrible because you guys keep eating meat because <laughs> you guys keep is that the reason why animal agriculture man it's one of the number one reasons for climate change yeah look it up yeah you're not you're not wrong it's definitely uh, a contributing factor but you know you think that nowadays we would uh, we, we, we got this thing of being on a coast and it's yeah. always where this, like, the bad stuff happens yeah it's like we got so much land inside that we could go to, and yeah. we got to be by the beach. Yeah, but if you go to the middle of any country, it's always it's all backwards and racist and weird. And, it's true. Yeah. It's true. No one wants to live in Saskatchewan. No, no one wants to live in Akron, Ohio. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Oh, man. Well, this has been a fun, fun evening. I'm happy we got to be together. It's getting a little bit late for me because I go to bed like an old man. Yeah. Well, you get up. Pretty early. I do. I, I get up like a farmer. You you usually get up as I'm going to bed. <laughs> it's true. You always say good morning. Yeah, I say good morning. I'm, going to, bed. I'm yeah. going to bed at five, and you're waking up at five. Yeah, but uh, 
Now that we got some sort of semblance of normal again, we're going to do this more often. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's, I, and I love this room at the at the Raid Studios. I feel like I'm the in... The chill room. It's called the chill room. It's like the perfect living room. Yeah. We got our AstroTurf, our couches. We watch some movies here sometimes. We got some video games I've never seen anyone play. And then we got a great library of books. Yeah. yeah. I'm always happy to be where there's a great library of books. It's always my happy place. Yeah. Well... Thank you for uh, having me out here tonight. I really appreciate it. Getting a sneak peek of the studio officially. I know Sam's in the other. Is Sam still here? I have no idea. But yeah, well, uh, it was it was a blast. Thank you everybody for listening to the podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes. Shane will be back soon. Sam will be back soon. And uh, yeah, thank you, dude. It's always a blast. Yeah.